and welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobb, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. It's indie games developer, Jay Armstrong. How are you doing, Jay? I'm great. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having me on. Cool. So Jay is someone I've known for a few years. We've bumped into each other at like lots of different conferences and stuff, especially because we both originally came from the Flash Games world, and we we're did. now both trying to do bigger and better things. So... Um, <laughs> Cool, man. So at the moment, Jay has a Kickstarter for his game, which is called Adventure Pals. And uh, what's the link for that, Jay? The Adventure Pals, it's um, it's kind of on Kickstarter. You can find it if you just search the Adventure Pals. But um, otherwise, just go to theadventurepals.com and uh, it'll it'll have a big, big link there. Cool. So pitch me your game. How? What's the... If you, as a player, what, what, yeah. what am I getting? The Adventure Pals, um, it's just... You know, imagine uh, the most kind of wackiest, funnest, kind of crazy creative um, thing that like a little kid could dream up and then throw in a bit of sense of humor and uh, ride around on a giraffe and you've kind of got it. <laughs> so you play as a kid and you're like running around this kind of relatively open and sort of top-down world and then you go in and you play levels and it's a bit like Zelda 2 in that way and the gameplay you, you know your giraffe lives in your backpack and you use him to kind of grapple across levels or like soar soar across using his propeller tongue um, <laughs> right. uh, and do all sorts of crazy things like that and in that way it's kind of like a 2D Banjo-Kazooie so see. it's kind of a bunch of different things kind of thrown together um, yep. But it focuses on the friendship of a boy and his pet giraffe, and they're trying to rescue their dad who's been captured and is going to be turned into a hot dog. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I can, you know, the more I talk about it, the, the kind of more fun it gets. So, like, you travel across um, different areas, and you, we have, like, um, zombie pirate cat enemies in the pirate area. We have post-apocalyptic dinosaurs in the sort of Fallout-style wasteland areas. Um, and we have the lost city of Crablantis, which is populated by <laughs> crab people who are who kind of are these tribal tribal guys living under the sea, and they just want to raise Crablantis back above the waves once more. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it's a so yeah, it's a it's a platformer, and then it's got a, like a an overworld, which is sort of top down. Is that well, if you want to put it like that yeah uh yeah no yeah exactly that's, that's <laughs> just the, to reduce it to its lowest just, yeah it's uh yeah i mean we've all played loads of platforms and stuff but that's what makes this one different is the kind of theme and and the um the bright graphics and the kind of imagination yeah, it's got a really of. lovely world it reminds me of things like castle crashes adventure time um I guess those would be the two main <laughs> ones that spring to mind, if you imagine somewhere in between those two, I guess. Kind of like a love child of the two, really. Now, um, who who's the artist you're working with on this? So the artist I'm working with is uh, a lovely guy called Julian Wilton, and he's um, from the Blue Mountains just outside Sydney, Australia. That's beautiful. And, yeah, yeah, and we work remotely, and we've been working on the game together remotely for, for a good few years now. Cool. And then, so you are part of a game studio called Massive Monster? That's correct, yeah. And, so, yeah, go on. So tell me about Massive Monster. How long so, has that been going? <laughs> Massive Monster's been going um, a, about a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, it started off with, like, sort of a collective of uh, a lot of Flash developers. Um, but now we've kind of, um, we've all sort of found that, you know, working uh, with that many people, with that many projects, is, is kind of tricky. It's not easy to do. So we've decided to kind of 
um, split off. So we have Massive Monster, which is uh, myself, Julian Wilton, the artist of this game, and Jimp Permain, who you might know from the Sushi Cat games. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know Jimp um, very well, but our listeners may will know his stuff if they've, especially if they've ever used the Congregate website, because his stuff is all over that. Um, yeah, he does he, the companions. He does the companions on there, and. He's got a very unique style. Like once you've sort of seen his color palettes and his his sort of drawing style a few times, you'll definitely like recognize it. Um, it's all that sort of baby baby pastel so, blue. Um, so what what's um, so who? Sorry, it's it's Jim Penn. Who's the other artist? Who's the main um, artist? J- Julian is the main artist on the adventure. And Pals. so yeah, so what's Jim's role on this? Because on the Kickstarter page, it says he's a door opener. Yeah, that's mainly it. I mean, <laughs> when you become an independent game developer, you're too busy to open doors for yourself. So it's just good <laughs> to have someone who can like run in front of you and just you know get that for you. And you can just you know it just it's just one of those things that you don't have to think about anymore. You know, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want a serious answer? The serious answer is um, he's kind of uh, just part of the team. So he's not. Uh, at the moment drawn anything or uh, designed any levels or anything right. but he's part of the development team he's so like he kind of... oh sorry go on the, yeah no you go on you go on no you you tell me I was just going to say an inane comment but you you actually tell me the real answer <laughs> are you going to say he's like he's like Bez I was going to say is he like oh, more like I was thinking more like P. Diddy he's like <laughs> an executive producer yeah I think it's like talking that talking in the background yeah, it's kind of like that. <laughs> no, he's a he's a partner of Massive Monster, and uh, the Adventure Pals is a is a Massive Monster game. So he's yep. sort of part of the team, and with the Kickstarter, he's been really help, uh, instrumental in do, in doing so much of it. Um, but he's his artistic talents are focused on a different project at the moment. Right. Okay. So you've got lots of pans in the fire and stuff with Massive Monster. Yes. Yeah. Uh, indeed. Uh, we we have another game um, called Never Give Up, which is definitely coming to Steam. Um, and again, we're sort of partnered with Armor Games on this one. And again, it's sort of a uh, a full sort of Steam console version of a successful Flash game called Give Up and Give Up Two. Yeah, were you the developer on those ones? I was a developer on Give Up Two. Right. So, and that was you and you and Jim. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, but before that, it was um, John Cooney, JMTBO2, um, work, and Tasselfoot, who made the first one. And we worked with Tasselfoot on the second one as well. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. So John, because I know John, he works, at, um, he works at Congregate now, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And then, yes. And yeah, so I think so does Tasselfoot, doesn't he? What's that, sorry? So, so does Tasselfoot, doesn't he? Uh, Tasselfoot's still at Army Games. So we're, we're right. working with Army Games and uh, he's he's the sort of lead uh, producer, level designer, kind of overseer, overlord of, of the Never Give Up uh, title. I see. Yes, and so Never Give Up. I've seen it on... Um, PewDiePie played it, didn't he? He did, yeah. He played um, He played it. Mark LePlier did. Um, Septic Guy Jack. Like a whole bunch of those guys. So our Greenlight campaign starts off with those guys just sort of screaming and effing and blinding <laughs> because it's a game like designed to make you rage quit. Like that's the whole point of it. Yeah, um, it's, it's really funny though. Doesn't it reward you if you quit? It goes, yay, well done, you quit. <laughs> yeah, it does. And like, it, like the back reveals and it's like been a game show the whole time and the it's crowd's like, cheering. Yeah, you gave up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you kind of think like, what was I doing that for? Yeah. I like that. But anyway, back to... Um, yeah, we're, we're the, Back to the Adventure Pals, yeah. 
yeah. one game at a time. Is, <laughs> in my experience, it is best to do one game at a time. I've I've definitely learned that over the last year or so. I mean, uh, it's, it's interesting though for for like your brain, for your sense of like well being. It's nice to move between projects because you then don't get like bored and bogged down. But for in terms of actually shipping stuff, it's much better to just do one game at a time. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting uh, learning curve um, doing that. And particularly, we'll probably talk about this later, but the jump from going from, like, say, a free web game, a Flash game, to a full sort of commercial. Yeah, title. I mean, well, let's get back. Let's get into that right now because, I mean, that's that's quite fascinating, isn't it? Um, yeah. What what yeah. are the differences? I would say. Um, it's, it's scale um, is is the immediate one. There are a couple. There are a couple. Um, some of them good. Some of them bad. I'd say scale is kind of at first. It seems good because you can go. Oh, we'll do this and we'll do this, <laughs> yeah. and then you've actually got to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's um, funny. It's you because you don't have the constraints of oh, I'm not going to be able to do this in the time because at the start of the project, you in theory, you know, you have some sort of funding or money saved or amount of time available and you're like, wow, that seems like so long, I can do so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, I keep uh, struggling for the word, um, but it's uh, it sort of goes up in multiples or uh, exponential. Yeah, it's exponential, exponential Yeah, absolutely. So you add another feature, another, and it's not just like an extra month that's, it's an exponentially more work that is tr- that i would say that is pretty true of software across the board because if you imagine like you have one feature or one like moving part component of your thing right yeah and it's that has no connections to any other parts right so that's yeah. one if you have two you you're, you're making two features and then you have to connect them right so you've got three things the two features and the and hooking them together yeah but when you have three it's now six because it's three features and then three links between them. That's absolutely yeah. And then when you go to four, it's like, it's not eight, it's it's loads because each each one is connected to three others. And it yeah. just gets, I think it's 16, and it just gets out of control. That's, that's <laughs> really it. Really quickly. <laughs> it's crazy because, you know, when you're making a, a, a web game, um, you, you've got to kind of keep it limited, like 15 levels or something, because people just don't, but oh, it depends on the type of game. But uh, you know, some t- people aren't going to play for hours and hours and hours and hours. But with unless it's like, like a clicker, unless it's like a clicker, <laughs> in which case or, you're not really like building levels anyway. You're just building like an algorithm, some kind of trap to keep people. Yeah. Sucked and for, into for listeners who aren't familiar, a clicker is a game where basically some numbers go up on the screen, and then you can click things every so often to make the numbers go up faster. And they sound really <laughs> stupid. You're like, why would I ever do that until you do it? And then you look at the clock and it's like 45 minutes. Because later. they, but they always have a narrative. So it's always like, I'm, I'm like farming sheep or whatever. Yeah. Or, or, or cook, what's the cookie one? The cookie cutter or cook, cookie? cookie. I'm, 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 is it like I'm making a cookie factory? And so then every so often I can upgrade my cookie machine and then it makes cookies twice as fast. And then you get things to click for you. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you buy an automatic collector, which which picks up all the cookies that for you, and then you don't have to click them. But then there's something else you have to click instead. Yeah, and you start sort of getting things to play the game, so you can play the game. And, um, yeah, yeah. But so other than those, other than those, they yes, you know, P- there's only a certain amount of time people yeah. can sit there and, and play. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I found with something like Alspin, which was one of my sort of free games. Mini clip. I remember it. I remember it, had, it well. It had. Um, t- 
24 levels initially and then if you beat all those 24 levels you unlock the extreme levels which are the same levels but like much harder were they extreme they're the extreme yes yeah (laughs) but it's like the way that actually that came about was i made all the levels really hard and everyone who played it was just like this is way too hard so then what i did is i duplicated all my levels and i made an easy version of each one by like nudging the corridors wider things like that <laughs> i love that that's and like that's that working became, smarter not that harder. became the first set of levels and then if you beat that it goes ah you're not really finished you now play the extreme ones but the extreme ones were actually going to be the original ones oh is that right yeah okay so that's the importance of player feedback there yeah because everyone said it was too hard so i just made the first like five levels insultingly easy and then after that it ramps up a bit you just went copy and paste yeah but uh, so even that like only the really dedicated levels ever uh, players ever got to like the extreme levels or anything so i gotta admit i didn't get that far that only took like an hour or something to finish the whole game so yeah um yeah so that's exactly it and i think it was like kind of standard to have like sort of 15 to 20 maybe up to 30 and um but now you know with the adventure pals we've got at least 10 hours of gameplay in there wow so yeah so there's a lot to do and there's a lot of kind of that means a lot of work and you know if we just uh i can't remember how many levels we had in the original one but now we've got 125 just standard levels and then we've got arenas uh we have that's mental uh, do you yeah. have do you have like quests as well like collection mechanics and things like that so every level has a quest which has some kind of story narrative to it right so guys like do go to the kickstarter because this is this is there's a lot there there's a lot there for you know for, for this game but um yeah so every you go to a town you speak to someone and they have some kind of problem or they're trying to help you um and sometimes they'll come along with you on the quest um and sort of help you out or sometimes you have to go and rescue someone or sometimes you know they need 15 of this like a fetch quest we try to avoid those because they're pretty boring even though they're like easy to implement but is the so is the is the is the quest just completing the level or is the quest in addition to completing the level in addition so you have so you have like a set of five levels um each with like each one sort of each of these sets introduces a new trap or a new enemy type and they'll have a quest and so you do the quest as you're traveling through it and once you hit the fifth level um whether you've beaten the quest or not you you can get the ruby which then takes you out and back into the world map so there's like various layers so you've got like the you know that you've got the the region that that you're in you've got the overall story um then you've got each level and not only like beating the new traps but also you know having that you know maybe you've got to protect someone who's going along with you um so there's like a lot a lot to it and that's like you know that sort of loop of having hour to hour minute to minute second to second stuff yeah (laughs) you're reading from my you're reading from my playbook jay what no i made that up i made that up um no exactly exactly i think i remember that i read that and it just stuck with me and um that's definitely something that's really really important and has really helped in sort of filling this this sort of game up because we have to make you know a 10 to 12 hour game um yeah i mean because that is so important if you're gonna like sell on steam or something like that like people are super harsh on anything that's less than well and on short games basically that's it that's it and with less than two hours you can get a full refund you can yeah and so Mm. play people will do that they'll go they'll play like people even did it with things like firewatch which is like a narrative experience game and is only about two and a half hours long i've heard that people go they played the first two hours so i won't bother seeing the end 
Yeah, I saw <laughs> just that. get my and, refund. And the developer responded. I remember reading it, and and someone had said like, "Oh, I really like this game, but I beat it in less than two hours. So should I get a refund?" And I think the the developer, I can't remember her name. The poor, you know, I felt so bad for her because you'd be so you'd just be seething. Mm. She wrote like, a really long post, didn't she, about how hard everyone had worked and what everyone sacrificed and things to make it. Yeah, but the thing is, is though, it's it's interesting because it shows how like incentives affect people. So like. Imagine if you did at the cinema, if you could walk out of the movie like two thirds of the way through and you'd get uh, a full refund on your ticket. I would love that. People would do it though. Everyone yeah, would be would. like, yeah, free movie trip. I don't care about that end. No one. <laughs> the final act's always boring anyway, isn't it? So. Well, they'd be enjoying it and they're just waiting like, okay, two minutes, two minutes. Okay. <laughs> All right, go, 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 go. Go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. It's like they Steam almost gamified refunds by, by like putting a time limit on it. Yeah, and it's quite, I mean, it's quite a low, sorry, sorry, quite a high time limit. I feel like two hours is a long time. No, but you know what? I can totally understand that. Like, I, I'm i very much pro-consumer because I think that, like, the way these things average out, unless your game's really bad, like, unless, even if, you know, 20% of your players refund the thing, that's still 80% of them who aren't. So you can forget the 20% because a lot of them, you know... They're the sort of people who are buying games to, thinking they're going to refund them. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? It's the same you're thing. Gonna with, have that guy. It's right. a similar thing with piracy. It's like the people that pirate games. You, they were never going to be your customers, really, because they're they they're don't pay. It. They don't pay for stuff. They pirate stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I mean, that, I don't think people should do that, but like they no, do. But they do, and yeah. so there's no point in going. Oh, I've lost two million dollars worth of sales because. Like two hundred thousand people's downloaded my game from Pirate Bay. It's like, well, <laughs> I, none yeah. of those people would have bought it probably. So, well, I tell you, if we're here next year and I'm complaining about losing two million um, <laughs> sales, I'll be a very happy man. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, mu- there's much worse things than that now, aren't there? Like um, key scams and stuff on Steam, right? Yeah, there's key all sorts reseller of scams. Yeah, I saw a similar thing. Um, was it Tiny Builds spoke wrote about that? Yeah, they did. Um, yeah, they, I mean, because that actually costs them money because those are paying customers who are being diverted to like these key reseller sites and the, they don't get any money from that. These are the people who would spend the money, mm. but they can get it slightly cheaper. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they're losing, Tiny Build are losing out on that. Yeah. 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 Um, but enough about Tiny Build. Yeah, let's enough. Talk about let's not promote monster. other companies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so cool. So the art style is amazing. I would say, listeners, just go and type in theadventurepals.com now to check that out because it's really cool. You have got some amazing music on the um, Kickstarter as well. Who's that by? That's by Hyperduck. Um, they're uh, an Irish uh, duo. It makes them sound like they do folk. They do not. They're fantastic, fantastic musicians. They did the music for um, Dust and Elysian Tale. Oh, okay. That's got really good music. Uh, actually, I'll tell you some games that you will know. They did a lot of the Juicy Beasts music um and they did kingdom rush right all good stuff all good stuff and now they've done the adventure pals so you know put that to the top of your cv (laughs) (laughs) so um let's talk about technology then first sorry we're 20 minutes into the podcast let's talk some technology so Uh, tell me about how the stack works for the adventure pals so the adventure pals we are programming in hacks um and we're using a library called openfl which is great um it's really good, um, 
But yeah, I'll get onto that. Um, <laughs> so we're using hacks because it's um, it's very similar to Action Script Three, and as we said, we we both came from uh, the Flash background, so it was a very easy transition to make. The cool thing is, like, it's a cross compilation language, so we can target um, native um, mobile. We can target C so we can have sort of native apps running in Windows and Mac. Um, and we can also target Flash, although we don't really have much call for that, and HTML5, which also we have even less call for. So, <laughs> but they, but it's there, and that you know there was a really crazy time a couple of years ago where we didn't know, or I didn't know, what was next because we were all the Flash guys making these Flash yeah. games, and, and we were having you know a, it was brilliant. I loved it. I I miss it. But um, suddenly it was like, well, are you guys going to do Unity or are you going to do HTML5? And it was kind of like. Well, HTML5 wasn't really ready at the time. No. And Unity... I would probably... say I would say Unity wasn't really ready at the time either. Like, it, it wasn't an easy transition to go from, like, Flash to Unity back then. It didn't have the 2D stuff, really. I mean, it had Unicron's 2D toolkit, I believe, but it was definitely a lot of work. Um, and for someone like me who's kind of self-taught and sort of has learnt by making games, it was a pretty tall order. Um, although we got stuck into it, like... Um, Jimp and I actually started building a game for it um, in Unity, sorry. And then I kind of spoke to uh, a couple other guys who, when we were starting off Massive Monster, I mentioned there were some other, other guys that we were working with before. And, you know, we just decided that actually this would be the easiest thing because we could port over all of our Action Script 3 stuff, um, all our hardware there, and then be able to target all these different platforms. So if we ended up being a bit more mobile focused, that would be fine. If we If we were a bit more... Uh, desktop, um, that would be fine. Um, but if we were to go to console, then that would be big trouble. So um, we recently announced that on the Kickstarter that the Adventure Pals will be coming to Xbox One. Right. Um, so this is kind of a problem for OpenFL um, and for hacks because at the moment they don't support it. There's um, a really uh, clever guy called uh, Lars um, who is working on converting it uh sorry working on a stack that will let you target the consoles yeah but it's it's not yet there it's really really close um and they're going to release uh, a set of games very soon um including papers please i think and uh some other stuff yeah uh, because a lot of a lot of high profile games have been made with um using this open fl stack haven't they yeah and it's brilliant it's really good the one thing that i have had trouble with um, because we've been working on these games for over a year now, roughly around a year, both Adventure Pals and Never Give Up in this setup. Um, the Adventure Pals started off as a Flash game um, and then we scrapped it and started it again and then we scrapped it and started it again. And the current <laughs> iteration that we have right now is a full, you know, built for desktop um, 12-hour game. Um, yeah. You know, totally commercial, full-on legit awesome game um that has nothing to do with the previous iterations um so um so yes so for for console we're now looking to (laughs) cross compile again to c sharp so that we can get the project running in unity and then use unity to target uh xbox and whatever other consoles agree to have us i see okay so you would port the code to C-sharp. C-sharp. 
yeah. would it still be like a would it just be a hacks cross compile or would it be more of like a a code port it'll be a cross compile so i've um you know found someone far smarter than 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 myself to work with on this and he's already sort of got it up and running um and it's uh it just basically compiles into c sharp and uh we're then going to sort of write um you know you can correct correct my language but a sort of a, a code uh you know a sort of interface between my rendering code and then creating a unity um counterpart and something to have them sort of speak together so yeah um, maybe you can explain that better than I just did. Uh, yeah, probably not, to be honest. Some sort of wrapper or some sort of, like, yeah, interface between, exactly. like, making a mesh or whatever, whatever enemy does behind the scenes and then for a sprite, you know, and then how you would turn that into a Unity thing. Exactly. Um, and a lot of the stuff we're doing is blitting and Unity is um, display... Um, uh, ob- oh, sorry, what, what is Unity again? <laughs> It's uh, where you <laughs> it has a scene, list, display list. It has a scene graph. Yeah, it has a, yes, a scene yeah, graph. A display list, a scene graph. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it it sees the world as like a little three D world, yes, rather exactly. than like as like you're drawing bitmaps to particular places. Right, which is what we're doing at the moment. So that'll be our sort of one of the bigger challenges. Um, but we use a lot of like for if you sure. See, do you now? Do you do because one of the nice things about enemies you can make or sorry, it used to be called hacks enemy. It's now called OpenFL. Um, you can use like Swift animations that you've made in Flash. Do you actually do that, or are you converting everything into bitmap animations and then using those? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of glad you asked. I wanted to sort of bring this up. We're using a fantastic program called Spine um, by right. Esoteric. Yep, and it is um, a skeleton animation system. So um, Julian will draw the character um, in flash and then export the various body parts and things um although it has like mesh deformation so you don't actually you can actually have like one solid image and then move its legs around using mesh deformation yep um it's incredibly powerful and really really cool and um i think it's one of the reasons why the game looks so cool um we had uh john davies who's um such a lovely guy and he did all the animations on um super house of dead ninjas he did a huge amount of the animations on the adventure pals and he helped bring the game to life and it was using spine and all the transitions and all the sort of uh, various cool things that that tool has so we don't use any swift animations uh, we do use a little bit of um uh, bitmap animations but more likely what i'll do is i'll just like squish i'll use like code to squish things so we have right. like <laughs> We have like slimes and it's just a solid image, but I'll just squish it as it sort of impacts and have it wobble through code. So yeah. I, do, I do that a lot, like a lot of sort of wobbly stuff through code. Yeah. And how do you handle your like your frame rate and that sort of thing? Um, we hand as in how do we sort of keep it optimized? Yeah. Like do you is it like a locked 60 frames per second? Is it locked 30 frames? Is it what, how, what have you gone with? We've gone with um, six, 60 frames per second. Yeah, and it's just uh, fixed, like, all of the rendering and all of that, and all of the... Oh, I see. Yeah, we're not using Delta Time or anything. We're sort of old school using yeah. uh, frame by frame. Yeah. Well, that's qu- it's very stable to do it that way. Like, it's much more stable than, than using Delta Time. Yeah, yeah, you don't sort of get things flying around, I guess. Um, Delta Time is quite a Unity way of doing it. I mean, to be honest, if you actually look behind the scenes at how Unity does, like, the physics 
stuff it's actually on a pretty much on a fixed time step it, it the call is like fixed so update fixed update yeah so i mean i tend to put pretty much everything in fixed update these days because it just like doesn't break and when you're <laughs> doing that you're basically at locked frame rates like you're you're not actually doing like a a completely frame rate on independent thing uh i can't i, I do kind of like it i don't know whether it's just hangover from the flash days no honestly it's just more stable like imagine if you had to if imagine if your you know your your updates running however fast it can run and sometimes it's running 120 frames a second sometimes it's running 60 frames a second but imagine something happens on your computer and suddenly your frame rate goes down to two frames a second it's like well what's going to happen to your collision detection then yeah you've got half a second between each frame so potentially you've got objects moving all the way across the screen suddenly in in one frame well your physics system or collision detection system is not going to be set up to handle that stuff and then suddenly everything just breaks yeah it's gonna it's gonna fly all over the place yeah and and it's like there's there's no point in doing it that way you might as well just have a fixed time step just make it a really high frame rate time step you know you could do 120 hertz 120 frames a second for the for the physics for example and then that's going to be really really stable and it will feel the same as if it was all delta times but it's not going to break that's pretty cool i um i heard something about uh an old bullet hell game and i can't remember the name but how um because it was all in you know fixed step when there was loads and loads of bullets on the screen the um the game would just slow down very <laughs> yeah, that's, slightly. That's Space Invaders, isn't it? Is it? So when Space <laughs> Invaders starts, I think this is true. When Space Invaders starts, there's the screen's full of enemies, so everything moves really slowly. Oh, that's right. And then as you kill the enemies, like the rendering actually speeds up, or like the game has less to process, so the actual things get faster. I don't, I don't know if that's the reason that things get faster in that instance, but it's just like a happy accident. Yeah, but maybe. It's, it's reacting to the. I like that idea level. anyway. Yeah, <laughs> and that like. Yeah, they, yeah. There's another thing about like some boss where, when you blow them up, it does a huge explosion. This is like in some other game, and when you blow them up, it does a huge explosion. And just the number of particles in the explosion, the rendering of that slows everything down. So you think the explosion's in slow motion? Slow motion. Nice. That's great. <laughs> Until you play it on like an updated machine, and it just is really quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The first time I remember seeing that is there's this game called Scorched Earth. Oh, and it was yeah. a super old school PC like pre worms like artillery yeah, game, yeah. and basically oh. that that game is like not frame rate. Um, it doesn't do anything to compensate for the speed of your CPU in the processing. So I remember originally playing it on like a two eight six PC or something back in the day, and it was just played normally. And then like we tried to play it when we got Pentiums. Like which were like so much faster, and suddenly like you try and turn the turret, and the turret suddenly like flips from fully one way to fully another way, like because it didn't go eh, 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 like it used to <laughs> with the old processing speeds. Oh, I actually had like going back to the Flash days. Um, I remember, do you remember Pico's School, the like Newgrounds classic by Tom Falk? Um, I don't know that one. Ah, oh, I think it was the one that sort of kicked it all off. Um. But that he sort of re-released that and had to kind of redo all of it because it was action script one and so and it was like a point and click and so much of it was based on the frame rate just not being able to keep up. So when <laughs> in like the updated version, it just went so quickly that it all had to sort of be completely re- redone and it was all like you know go to and stop frame eight, go to and stop frame <laughs> six, and they all got thrown out because of the the new speed of the game. Right. 
Oh, there was always a problem with old school Flash where, like, the audio would play in real time, <laughs> and yeah. then the twelve frames second animation wouldn't be able to keep up with the audio, and so everything would constantly go out of sync. <laughs> don't you just miss it? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't really miss Flash at all. The only thing I miss is I miss the community so much. Yeah, it was such a cool community. Like, great. and there was like, it wasn't even just one community. There was multiple communities. Like, there was the action script community. There was like the Flash games, like the web portal games community. Like, um, you know, Congregate and uh, Newgrounds and like Mochi and all that stuff. Um, there was like a web designery Flash community. Like, there was it was like there was like yeah there's lots of great people and stuff sad to see it sort of sort of go and um not have the similar thing sort of come in and replace it but you know i guess it'll be time it's, sure. i mean yeah it's weird though isn't it like the unity does have a good community like i do like the unity community but it's not it's something about it where it's just like we all sort of know too much now that there's not like the sharing of weird arcane knowledge like you know too much it's all too it's all too easy like to find stuff out how you do stuff there's not so many like secret tricks and things yeah i mean it's basic but i was um spent a long time in flash coming up like a star pathfinding and it was just (laughs) this this mount everest for me and i finally (laughs) sort of managed to get away you know get it working and then you go into the asset store and there's there it is for free you know yeah there's like 10 a star assets or you've got like uh the nav mesh stuff in unity which is like even more powerful oh god yeah it's just built in right uh, yeah exactly (laughs) yeah amazing amazing times yeah it's what it's so much different like the problem the set of problems you have now is completely different to the set of problems you used to have like the set of problems you used to have was like how do you make stuff that's cool like how do you make cool stuff whereas now we have all of the tools we need to make cool stuff it's like how do you reach people with your cool stuff that you've made because there are so many people doing it yeah easy to do Yeah. yeah yeah discoverability for sure yeah so what um so what's it like running a kickstarter how's that going it's um it's great it's like a it's it's um a full-time job it's it's incredibly emotional and you know you'll be so excited and then you'll be devastated and then you'll be excited again um it's it's very just to get a sense of like progress like what's your total goal and then what where are you now um we are looking for twenty one thousand uh four hundred and fifty pounds uh and we are at i think about eight just over eight thousand at the moment um so we are yeah we're very keen so if people are listening to this and we're still running please do check it out it's a cool game i promise how long so at the time of rec- we're recording this at the start of august how how long um is left um over three weeks right okay so, so running till the almost the end of august 2016 yes i it- think it's the saturday of insomnia we are we finish at about four thirty five o'clock right so the 27th thereabout right so if, you, if you're listening this to this in august 2017 yeah <laughs> go buy the game because it's it, it's all done <laughs> yeah, where, yeah when when is the actual release um we're aiming for either the very end of this year or the very beginning of next and so if, around that sort if of time. the kickstarter heaven for fend was to uh, not be successful does that have a massive knock on effect on everything yeah it'll make things um pretty difficult but um we'll we'll find a way we'll find a way we'll make yeah, it happen yeah um but that's not to say you know don't pledge but we we do really need it 
Um, but we've been through so much to get. It's to one of those things, are. isn't it? Because it's like you do a Kickstarter for something because you really need that uh, that help and that yeah. funding. But it's like if you don't get it because you have put so much into it already, it's yeah, like you're wow. still you're still like your brain, will, you know, your heart will make you find another way of doing it. But exactly, and it's um, you know, as I said, we started we the first time we decided to make this game was back in 2012 or something like that, and uh, it's like the third iteration of the game. So we are, you know, we are making this happen, and we are so close, and it's you know we're so excited about what we've created. So like you know, going back to. Uh, you know, because this is sort of a, this is coding, creative coding. So, um, so going back to sort of the things we can achieve now, like we have, we have so many cool things like the giraffe on your backpack is like, um, sort of, he sort of wobbles because he's sort of like got wobbly physics and it's attached to your spine animation, one of the bones. So it like wobbles in real time. And as you bounce around, it just feels great. And we have, you know, wobbly water and all cool things like that. And, um, we have like the world maps really alive. We have like clouds going over and like little critters, little y- um, yaks sort of running around and you can chase them around. And there's just like so much to it that you can do, which like, you know, we, we could never have done before with the previous technology because it, you just didn't have the power. So like for me, I felt totally liberated and excited to kind of throw in as much as I can and, and do and like do all those things I always wanted to do with yeah. um, you know, but being restricted by Action Script three and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I I found exactly the same thing. Like you know, with what happened with Super Gun Kids, where it's just like I got it to a point, and then it's just like I couldn't really get Flash to do the things that I wanted to do. Yeah, I remember that project. It was very ambitious. Um, <laughs> but like I remember seeing it, and it was like, whoa, skeletal animation system. And yeah. now here I am. You know, <laughs> it's funny though. It's like I built my own little skeletal animation thing. It was like very rudimentary. But then it's like now it's like you've got an off-the-shelf one like Spine, which is so much more powerful than than what I had back then. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's. I mean, but I mean, Spine isn't it's not open source but there are a lot of people working on it and like we had to sort of or i had to do sort of our own like runtime for it which was kind of tricky but there's there's a unity what there's like huge communities oh did you have to write your own runtime i kind of not not from scratch um yeah. but there was a lot of like work that had to be done to kind of particularly with the mesh deformations so like you know all the draw triangle calls and stuff like right. that was a bit of a headache wow uh, were you not so were you not like tempted to just go oh, actually let's just flip it to unity portal the code <laughs> <laughs> well um no like i really um i really like working in hacks and open fl but one of the one of the difficulties that you know, does kind of edge me towards moving to unity which we probably will do in the future is um it's an open source uh it's open source so yep. the, it's kind of like the goalposts keep moving and you know i I would say that like I think the the guys who do it are fantastic and it's an amazing tool and I really encourage you but for like long term development it's really tricky because they sort of just removed the rendering code calls that we use so we'd have to like kind of rewrite all that stuff they like de- deprecated them or whatever yeah yeah exactly Jeez. Um, so yeah. I'm, I mean full disclosure with me and hacks it's like 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 you when when flash was like sort of seemed like it was on the way out i wanted to move on to like another technology that was more powerful and i went to sort of hacks because it seemed like the most flash like thing yeah 
and it is like a super easy transition to like start writing hacks code like because i mean the thing with enemy stroke open fl is it's it's not just another thing it's like it uses all the same metaphors you already know yeah it's like, like it, it's the exact it's deliberately the exact same system that flash was built in whereas unity is it's completely its own thing that has an entirely different way of thinking yeah. um but where I think where with me, like I spent about about a month working on some like a hacks prototype of Super Gun Kids, and it just got to the point where I was having to ask other people all the time, "How do you do this? How do you do this?" And it was like <laughs> I didn't like it, there wasn't any resources out there for me to find the stuff out, yeah, and. And they change I, as well. You might find yeah, the answer, it was, but it's not. It the was constantly anymore. shifting, and then so then I was like, just rage quit, basically, <laughs> and then started went back to Unity. It's like right, let's just do let's do this properly now. Let's properly properly. Yeah, let's get on with it. Get on to Unity, and that's worked out well for me, just because like there is freelance Unity work, and I've been able to to sort of work with on some really cool projects that were done in unity as a freelancer that and i don't think that would have ha- happened like i don't think there's freelance hacks projects no there aren't actually because um i've actually sort of well a while ago before we started these projects i was kind of looking around and and trying to find out and there just sort of wasn't there's, you kind of get like a a what <laughs> hacks what um <laughs> people, people don't really understand it i think or don't know what it is but I, you know, it is amazing, and um, I really enjoyed working with it. Um, but it's just, yeah. So I think inevitably it's all kind of drifting towards Unity, really, isn't it? I mean, like it's the the asset store, the communities. It's just so powerful; it keeps getting better. The two D support keeps getting better. Um, it's hard not to just think, like, right, okay, that's obviously the way forward. Why didn't I just do that earlier? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in my experience, like, just. It's not really specifically to Unity even, but like using the industry standard tool is like by far the safest thing to do always. Yeah. And normally works out being the best thing to do. So for example, you can do great artwork in like Coral Painter or something, right? But most people use Photoshop. Yeah. So like (laughs) most people are going to expect if they hire you to paint something, they might expect like a PSD. Yeah, and right. If you're exactly. giving them the Coral Painter file, they'll be like, "Whoa, what's this?" And right, it's, exactly. It's the and it's the same with like game development, anything. It's like you there's a massive um, there's a lot to be said for standards, basically. And like, even though Unity obviously isn't technically a standard, it's just a technology that happens to be successful right now. It's yeah. like for oh, yeah, in, in the change. short in the short term, it's like something that w- as an industry we can standardize on. Exactly. I mean, so, if you learn anything from from Flash, it's that things will change. So don't get too comfortable. Keep your ear to the ground. Uh, but I mean, the, the, I would agree with you completely. The way I learned was by looking up on forums and um, just reading and asking questions and things like that, and just tinkering in in Flash and if you try and do that with non-standard or non-industry standards uh, or platforms or, or, or tools, um, it gets much harder. So if you have a problem in Unity, you Google it and 
you know, 1,200 people have asked the same question. <laughs> yeah. And there's your answer. Yeah. And then yeah. with hacks, it's like you're much more on your own, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a great forum, there's a Slack group and all sorts of things. But yeah, it's it's much, there's a much uh, bigger barrier to entry, I'd, I'd yeah. say. But I mean, that all that said, like the game looks amazing. It's running great. It obviously does what you need it to do. Oh, for, yeah, yeah, absolutely. PC version, at least. Um, like the, is it, the, it's all 1080p 60 frames a second it is indeed yeah 1080p 60 frames a second and yeah. the only reason we're going to touch unity is because we want to hit consoles yeah. um, and that's the easiest way to do it but if it was just going to be desktop we we would just stay with hacks and open fl because it's great yeah so do you, i mean and for future projects would you use it again or would you be more like well for- uh yeah i think for future projects i'd probably look at the project and um probably go towards the standard definitely go towards the stand the industry standard mm. and there's like you can go in like different amounts as well so for example like i don't know what you're doing for collision detection but you've probably written your own system right and it's like you can use unity and write your own collision detection system yeah you can it, use ray but, casting and yeah but it's like well or, or there's a thing I mean, you don't even have to use Unity colliders, but like, if you do use Unity's colliders, you can do things like, is this point within this collider? So you don't even have to use rays. You can just have like a fixed time step and check, it does this box overlap this other collider? And if it does, that's your collision, right? Without having to write, yeah. write it out yourself. Yeah, exactly. But then you don't even have to use that. You could write the whole thing yourself. But then it's like, what I found is just like, well, <laughs> if you're going to go that far, why not just use use the built-in box 2d physics in unity and just tweak the heck out of it till you get the sort of behavior that you want right yeah that, beca- that comes with a massive number of advantages for example like if you want to do stuff like moving platforms for example like you can actually just model them in physics and if you set everything up right like you get quite a good behavior it's like yeah it's not going to be as snappy as like sonic maybe but you can actually get pretty far it definitely depends what you want. Like physics engines can be so much fun. We um, released a game called Sushi Catapult like last year, right? And that was like that was using Nape, um, which is a really cool physics engine as well. And yeah, it's good. The, the catapult in it was literally a catapult. So you'd have um, like a fixed point at the top and a fixed point holding down the catapult, and then like <laughs> a sort of elastic um, constraint between them. Yeah. And then to launch it, you'd release that. Um, uh, constraint on on the bottom of the catapult, and it would just go woof, like right up, and that would launch it. There was no, <laughs> it was it was a physics based catapult, which um which is not something I'd ever sort of I'd never done it in that way before, and it was just kind of fun to go. Oh, this is kind of this is kind of like real <laughs> real world stuff. Yeah, you get so much for free. I think if you use like real physics, like there's just like, so many like silly things that can happen. <laughs> yeah, you can have a lot of fun with them. Yeah, and so you you for the adventure pals, you won a prize, a physics prize. Yeah, that's right. So that was for the so you know I mentioned we, we had three versions of this game. Right. And the third one is is the one that's going to be out. The second one was in Flash, and that's the one we won the physics for. Right. Um. So that was the Intel Level Up Game Design Award, and it was uh, judged by some really cool people like Rami Ismail and um. Uh, I'm gonna totally blank, but uh, the <laughs> Tim Schaefer from wow. Double Fine, and okay. uh, we, and um, yeah, and we we won. We originally won best platformer, and then something happened, and it ended up being best game physics. 
so <laughs> all I can think is that you know the giraffe tongue helicopter. Um, so people who haven't played it is like when you're when you're in the air, you can press jump again and you get a glide, and that's the giraffe coming out of your backpack and sticking his tongue out and just whirling it around like a helicopter, and you can glide around the level. So I, I think my the realistic giraffe tongue physics is probably what <laughs> swung Intel <laughs> and Tim Shaver. Awesome. <laughs> that's so uh, cool. Um, yeah, so you um yeah we i mean we've talked about a lot of things haven't we so you we talked about the development started on in flash let's talk a bit about how your sort of background how how did you first get into sort of doing games at all yeah i um i kind of i don't have any um formal training i i have like a master's degree in geopolitics territory and security and i think <laughs> i always envisioned like going into the foreign office or something like that but uh, i graduated in 2008 um and it was the sort of biggest economic climate uh, crisis you know uh we, we've had and um and the <laughs> yeah. government kind of shut down and yeah i think you guys have heard of 2008 something happened then mm-hmm. uh, and the government sort of shut down and there was nothing and so i kind of started to retrain and, and do some odd, odd jobs and try and sort of find something else for me to do and in the meantime i played a lot in a band and that stopped and i had all this sort of creative energy so i thought right instead of focusing on music why don't i try and make a game in flash and as a kid i'd always drawn and animated in flash and i knew a little bit of action script you know a lot of go to and stop stuff like that and i decided that you know just as a personal project i would make a flash game and at that time i didn't know that there was a flash game market out there um, but I just kind of made this thing and posted on Newgrounds and posted it around and came across uh, FGL.com and they are an auction site for Flash games. So I put it on there and I actually made some money, which I couldn't believe. So I thought, right, I'll do another one. This is great. And I love making games and this is something I can spend my time doing. Um, and I did another one and I was kind of just realized that, hey, if I, if I keep doing this and keep this up, um, this is kind of better than what I'm aiming to do um, and I get to do something creative which is what I kind of grew up wanting to do something creative whether it be in a band be an artist uh, draw or as it turns out sort of be a game developer so it kind of it was a very gradual process and I kind of learned as I went um, but it all came down to sort of making one for fun and, and stumbling across the flash game bubble really yeah and then so when did you sort of know obviously you had lots of success with various different flash games um do you want to list some of the ones that you worked on uh sure sure um well i worked on obviously super adventure pals which was the uh flash uh original game of the adventure pals um i made a game called barbarians um which had something like 15 million plays worldwide which was pretty cool uh, I made a game called Combat Hero Adventures, which was kind of a long time ago, but that was my first kind of uh, game that made me think, hey, I could do this. Um, and I made a, a bunch of others. Um, but if, you, you know, if you're interested, jarmstronggames.com, I've got kind of a lot of them listed there. Cool. And then when, sort of, when did you know the writing was on the wall for like doing Flash games? Is it? Isn't it? Do you still do that? Do you still <laughs> no, do no, that? no. Of course not. No, no, no. Um, I think it was. We, I mean, do you? Uh, but I mean, Armor Games still do a few and stuff, don't they? Or do they not even do any now? So it's it's probably for them to, to talk about. But I get the vibe from them that they are pushing towards becoming a game publisher rather than a flash game portal. Yeah. Um, and when I yeah. So, but that you know, I don't want to sort of jump. That's on any for, them to, yeah, that's for yeah, them to yeah, say. That's for them to say exactly. 
Yeah. So, I mean, but in terms of your 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 experience, um, my experience with uh, making. Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Yeah, with like what what happened with Flash and stuff. So uh, it it had been um, it always been like talked about, and I think we did. Um, and you were there, Ian. We did um, a Mochi London, and I think I was doing a panel with uh, Chris Jeff and Jimp and a couple other people. Uh, the Donkin brothers and all, all those sort of flash guys. And yep. I think I asked the question like, you know, who's who's making their living doing flash games? And almost everyone in the audience put their hands up. And I was like, okay, well, who'd be doing them thinking that, you know, I would say who, who would be doing them in like six months time or a year's time, thinking that I'd get all the way up to three years, four years kind of thing. Yep. I was like, who, who'll be doing them in six months? <laughs> And like one person put their hand up, That's and it, I think, yeah, I think it might have been me as well. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, so I asked that question to an audience, and it was just like, wow, okay. So then um, we were trying to, but it's not so easy when that's what you're doing is your job. You've got to make these games because you need to, um, you need to pay your rent as well. So I mean, it was crazy. Like if you look at like FGL Flash Game License as it was, it was like the prices that were the flash games were sold for like because it's like you you would sell the sponsorship as a for a flat fee basically or sometimes there were various different types of deals but it went from like you know tens of thousands yeah of dollars stroke pounds suddenly overnight down to thousands and then down to hundreds pretty much yeah and then and then you'd be lucky if you got that yeah yeah absolutely and i think um the struggle for me was like retraining because i'm not you know, a, a trained programmer. So I don't, I didn't have a lot of the sort of basic fundamental stuff. Like I mm. could put, put the heart, also the heart, the first like platform transition you do or technology transition you do is the hardest. I think that's totally right. I think that's it, totally right. It is. It's brutal. Like I remember for me, it was uh, director to flash and it was just so hard because everything that I'd learned, like all my ways of doing things I couldn't do. Yeah, it's like all your points of reference and it's kind of yeah. like when you're going like, okay, how do I do like an array in the, in this? Like, how do I do something so basic? Yeah. Then it's like, how are you, you know, how should I even, and then you're like, well, how should I structure everything? Because how can I make a huge game? Uh, and, you know, I'm going to find something, you know, halfway through that means I have to rewrite a whole bunch of stuff or, you know, all the idiosyncrasies and that, you know, you, you really got to know know a platform like where you know okay well that particular thing is going to upset it so let's do it a different way and you've got to relearn all that stuff but i think like when i look at other stuff now it definitely feels more manageable and and the more points of reference you have the easier it is to move to the next thing that's true definitely yeah but yeah. then then the problem with like programming communities is that like the more advanced or the more the longer they spend the sort of weirder they tend to become. So, like, I don't know if you followed like what's happened with the JavaScript community, but they're no, just, what's, what's happened? Well, they're just so far into like all these build platforms and like various like minifiers and cross compilers and like package managers and different frameworks that you have to use. That it's like if you ever sort of use JavaScript in the past as just like the simple language that you know can do a couple of things on a web page it's like now it's like so different and it's like becomes things become the skills become less transferable i guess oh that's interesting i mean and become... like for ex like unity is a classic example where it's like if you've only ever done unity 
your skills are like so not transferable because everything you've done has relied on uni- the things that Unity does for you built in and you're really good at using those. But it's yes. like, well, now now program collision detection for yourself and it's just like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm relieved to hear that the, the more you do, the easier it gets. De- that's, absolutely. That's good news. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And like yeah. the, the first the first change is the easiest. Like if you if you change to say, for example, Unity now, it's like not yeah. going to be difficult. That's great. That's great. That's Especially great because things like Spine, it's like, well, that's doing a lot of the work now in terms of the animation and stuff. You can, there's a really nice Unity um, runtime. runtime for Spine that works good. So that's year excellent you're away just drop that stuff in and then yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, uh yeah so cool let's get back to your game anyway to, to yeah. sign off we better wrap it up soon because we've been reapping quite a long time yeah it's been but, great um, it's been fun whoa it's an hour already nice. yeah it's man wow. these these go so quick when we're recording these it's just like it's absolutely mad that's great it's been fun <laughs> it has man um <laughs> Cool. So, uh, what what else can we say about the game before we go? I really like the animation. I'm going to talk it up for a bit. I really like the Thank animation. You. The gameplay looks super fun. I love platforming. It's got loads of platforming. You can hit things with your sword and jump on things and uh, helicopter around. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, collect you can, stuff. You can like get special um, power ups and things. So like everything is kind of crazy and funny, and it's like one of the power-ups is a scary face so your giraffe comes out and does like a scary face and the enemies kind of panic and they run off and they'll run into spikes and and things like that and we've got like different types of bombs so you have like the normal bomb you've got a poison bomb but we also have a again like a sticky one and that sticks to enemies and they panic and they'll run to other enemies and they'll all blow up and we also have a sunshine bomb which turns all the enemies into cute little bunnies uh so like and it's got it's got loads of character and it's all really nicely drawn and animated isn't it like i saw your hot dog boss yeah and he like has loads of hot dog related attacks and effects and stuff yeah we have also like there's a lot of food related things (laughs) i'm not sure how that happened we have like a vegetable dinosaur and we have um yeah we have like a lot of hot dog stuff and there's a hot like one of the enemies is a hot dog that poops mines so he's like wandering around and he poops out a little mine and um it's yeah it's we kind of have this thing where we'll come up with an idea and we'll go now that's not weird enough back to the drawing board (laughs) something kind of crazier um so it's a lot of fun because you can just kind of throw everything at it and see what sticks um and that's what we've tried to do so i really hope that people will check it out and and like it and like a lot of heart and hard work has gone into it so um you know if if anyone likes that sort of thing please do check it out um and you know let get in touch like say hi um always always sort of reply to anything and be cool to speak to anyone sort of listening to this who might want to talk more awesome cool go and back that stuff go and back that stuff yeah exactly jay it's been awesome talking to you man yeah thanks Ian. it's been an absolute pleasure awesome thanks bye 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 you've been listening to the creative coding podcast if you'd like to support the show please do head over to patreon.com slash creative coding